What's up everybody? This is Size of Boxing with JJ Sermon. The reason why I started this podcast is because I'm a huge boxing fan and I wanted to give my opinion on every single important fight that is going on throughout the year. There's so much to boxing. There's always something going on in that there's always two sides to the story. It's always the A side and the B side. There's always one side where they may have a family and kids and they're trying to provide for their family. And it's another side who is just determined to be the greatest of all time. So this podcast is going to give you everything you need to know. If you are interested in boxing, if you want to know more about it, this is where you should listen to it. So we hope you enjoy it. The first fight that we have for this podcast is Tevin Farmer versus John O'Carroll. Tevin Farmer is in the super featherweight division, and he is the reigning IVF super featherweight champion. Tevin Farmer and John O'Carroll were two exciting fighters that really, at doing press conferences and things like that, seemed like they really didn't like each other. They did a lot of playful roasting, a lot of disrespectful words to each other, man. And it was, it seemed like it was going to be a bloodbath when they got into the ring together. But during the fight, um, Tevin Farmer seemed like the guy who had crazy defensive skills. like, And he had an, a great offense. Uh, he was pretty much an all-around great boxer, but his defense is definitely... On another on another level, I think in the super featherweight division, man, and I give Tevin Farmer a lot of credit for what he's done in the ring so far, what he's battled through, what he's got to this, and how he got to this point. Like Tevin Farmer has done a lot, and in this fight, I would say Tevin Farmer did exactly what he wanted to do. So he went in and fought. Like, he actually fought. Usually, Tevin Farmer can just play a defensive game where he can just bob and weave and he can move around and he can uh, use use his defense as his offense, his defense as his offense. And this fight, he came at him. He went straight at John O'Carroll, and he wasn't, a scra- he wasn't afraid. He, he didn't back up. He just kept pushing for it, pushing for it um, in a sense where it showed that Tevin Farmer – um, can adjust his game when he wants to. He can prove that he can he can take punches, and he proved that uh, he can he can uh, just box overall. Man, he was just a great fighter. John O'Carroll, you gotta give respect to him, man, because he was a dog. He just kept fighting. He kept throwing punches. Kept throwing punches. Mind you, his punches were not didn't have any strong pop to them, but he was throwing as many as he could against Tevin Farmer. And it seemed like a lot of the times you have to watch it uh, like at least more than one time to actually see. Because he missed. It seemed like at times that Jonah Carroll was actually hitting him. But when you watch it again, you notice that Tevin Farmer was just a great defensive fighter. And he was actually dodging most of those punches, which was uh, a better testament to how great Tevin, Farmer, Tevin Farmer's defense is and I uh, am excited for what's next for him. He should be able to fight Javante Davis next or somebody um, of that caliber next. I mean, he, he deserves a bigger fight, man. And 
I definitely believe that he will get a bigger fight. Now, before we get to Errol Spence Jr. versus Mikey Garcia, I want to highlight the fight right underneath in the undercard, which was David Benavidez versus Jay Leon Love. This fight here, y'all, this fight here just showed how amazing David Benavidez can be. This man is the truth. He looks like the truth, and he fights like he's truly someone to be reckoned with in the boxing division. He has the skill set to become a champion again. I think Caleb Platt and him are going to see each other in the ring very soon. I think that's going to be a fight that everyone should have on their radar. David Benavidez is like a hungry fighter, man. He made his mistakes. He learned from it, and now he's back focused. And he looked like he was focused in this fight. Jaleon Love did not have a chance in the world to win this fight. And I watched a couple of Jaleon fights before this, or his most recent fight against Peter Quillen. And when I saw that fight, I noticed that Jaleon Love doesn't throw. He kind of reminds, in the sense of like Adrian Broner, he doesn't throw enough punches to um, win the fight, in a sense. He sits there, and he moves around, moves around. He had throw a couple counters. But it's never enough to actually convince the judges that you won those rounds. And that's what happened against David Benavidez because David Benavidez didn't even really even give him a chance to uh, go to the scorecards. I mean, as soon as he came out the gate, you could just tell that Jaleon Love was in trouble. Like, David Benavidez had multiple combinations. He was... Eating punches like it wasn't nothing. Actually, his defense was, uh, was a little better than I thought. He was going straight at him. Like, he wasn't scared. He was very focused. He was very determined to put on a performance so that he can get his belt back. And I truly believe that he will get a chance to get his belt. I think it's against Anthony Durrell, and who, who picked up his uh, vacant belt, vacant WBC belt. Um, so I'm excited to see that fight next and then him going against Caleb Platt next and let's get that going, man, because that's, that's that's what we need in boxing, man, is these top guys to truly fight each other. And even if it takes a little longer than it needs to be, man, just the anticipation of building the fights will, will be more than enough for boxing fans. So, yeah, I just wanted to give my little assessment on that fight because David Benavidez did a, an amazing job. And I give him pretty much an A-plus on that against Jaleon Love. And Jaleon Love, he probably should. Um, thinking about fighting lesser competition, not anything to compete for a title. But if he still wants to box, he can still box. But not against anybody that's a high-caliber level because he just doesn't throw enough punches and he needs to work on his offense a lot more. So let's get straight to it. Errol Spence Jr. versus Mikey Garcia was one of the most anticipated 2019 boxing fights of the year. I was so excited to watch this fight. I mean, when I heard that it first rolled out, that it was confirmed that Errol Spence was going to fight Mikey Garcia, and I knew it was going to be a risk for both of them, and that's just like in any boxing match, but when it's two undefeated pound-for-pound fighters, there is very, very little room for mistakes. And everything else can go very wrong. So, um, I just want to talk about that fight. When it started out, the fight happened with Errol Spence Jr. 
Uh, coming out the first couple rounds, he was just jabbing. He's throwing so many jabs. And he was getting the space that he needed for Mikey Garcia because he had a longer reach. But his strength was pushing him back. Not to the point where his head was going back every single time that he was throwing a jab. But I, but it kept a strong enough uh, distance that allowed Mikey Garcia to always focus on his jab. Mikey Garcia really never got into the rhythm. Second round, that's the only round I possibly would give Mikey Garcia. And that was because he showed uh, a couple combinations towards like the last minute of the round. And it, and it looked fairly good. But other than that, Errol Spence Jr. just kept with a consistent jab, jab to the body. He was throwing two three-punch combination jabs, and he kept it coming every single time that Mikey and him was in the ring. And Errol Spence, the whole fight, never got on the ropes, really. Like, he was always, he had great footwork. He was moving to the left, moving to the right, getting around Mikey whenever Mikey would try to kind of move in or try to try new strategies. Errol Spence was controlling the fight. He was dictating where it was going. He kept putting the, the pressure on Mikey. And it showed in the fight. Everyone was kind of surprised. And even they even said um, Mikey Garcia's uh, brother was even going to ask him if he wanted to stop it after the ninth round. Um, it was a fight that many people didn't expect with regards to the way that Errol Spence Jr. won. However, um, this performance just proved how great Errol Spence is and how more fearful he's going to be in the welterweight division. We still have Terrence Crawford. We still have Keith Thurman, Sean Porter, Danny Garcia. The list can keep going on with fighters. But no fighter is really calling Errol Spence Jr. out after this fight. Not like, and it's not like they were calling them out before, but it just makes that case that much more harder for people to want to fight Errol Smith Jr. in the welterweight 147-pound division. I really thought in the fight that Mikey Garcia had a had a game plan that he truly thought was gonna work. And I remember him talking in interviews that he said that he saw something. And Errol Spence Jr. that he can exploit, that he can beat, that he saw flaws in him. But when it got down to the fight, there wasn't anything that anybody, any one of us could see that was really something that Mikey Garcia saw in Errol Spence Jr.'s previous fights. Errol Spence Jr. wasn't an uh, Olympian. He has the skills to box. He has the skills to push people forward. He has the power. And he's pretty. he's an all-around fighter. His defense was very, very underrated. And it showed in this fight that he can move, he's quick, he's fast, he has a strong jab, and he's a southpaw. People underestimate that southpaw stance, man. With his right foot and he's jabbing with his right hand, that is very, very difficult for a lot of fighters because a lot of fighters are unorthodox, which means that they put their left foot forward. And they're pretty much right-handed, so all their power is coming from their right hand. So they're throwing it, throwing, they're jabbing with the left, throwing hard right hooks. That's where they get all their power from. But for Errol Spence, he's going with his right foot, his power is in his left. And that is very different, especially when you get in the ring and you're going, and y'all pretty much are going in opposite, y'all are different sides. So it's definitely a... a difference is not too many people that are southpaws 
So that also plays a part in the fight and making it very difficult for Mikey Garcia. Now, um, what's next for Errol Spence Jr.? Talked about Manny Pacquiao. I think he should fight Sean Porter next. Let Keith Thurman fight Pacquiao. And then let them come together. Keith Thurman and, and Errol Smith Jr. for the bout after that. Depending on how Keith Thurman looks against Manny Pacquiao. If they even fight. Just in a prediction and just seeing if that can happen. But you know how boxing goes with politics and things like that. So we won't know until the actual time that it is confirmed. So now let's move on to Michael Conlon versus Ruben Garcia Hernandez. is the last fight in this podcast episode. And I must say that Michael Conlon is somebody you should keep your eye on because he has skills. When I mean he has skills, he can go southpaw on orthodox. He can switch it back and forth. He can do multiple things that a lot of boxers cannot do. And it's very, very, um, what's the best word to say this? He's a very technical fighter. Like, he can confuse opponents very quickly. And that's a big positive on his side. When I watched this fight, I came on during St. Patrick's Day. I think it was with Tom Rank. And I was like, okay, let me see who this person is. Because I remember seeing him last year around the same time. And I felt like he could be somebody who, who could possibly contend for a belt. And actually win one. So, um... I saw this fight, and Michael Conley came in as a heavy favorite, and he started boxing. He first went like unorthodox, then he switched southpaw, and went southpaw a lot of the rounds when he was fighting. And he was doing a fairly good job. However, there's one thing that I was watching about the way he was fighting that causes me a little concern because he's he's much older. Like I think he's close to being 30. But another thing that that I saw about Michael Collin as a con is that he would not throw enough like punches in regards to combinations like he would he would hit Ruben Garcia Hernandez with a couple good shots but then he would back up like he was fearful of of getting hit with a counter and he kept doing that multiple multiple times throughout the whole entire fight and it was very frustrating the commentators were saying it as well because it's like we he can he can clearly knock out Hernandez but he kept him in the fight not that he was winning he was losing almost every round but he wasn't looking like he was going to get KO'd because uh, Michael Collin would just hit him with a good two, three shots that could have possibly like stumbled him and would back up and give him time to breathe. He would never put too much pressure on Hernandez. And that's one fault that I would say about him because when he goes against better competition, yes, he may get a unanimous decision, but sometimes the scorecards are not going to go your way. And if you don't have any punching power to actually knock somebody out or get them to get a TKO or something of that nature, then it can be a long night for Michael Conlon. And that's one thing that I saw about him that I was like, oh, man, because he, he's such a skilled fighter that I feel like if he just add that arsenal, if he get more a little bit more aggressive, then he can be one of the best fighters um, in our future. So that's all I pretty much had to say about this fight. I want to see more of him, Michael Conlon, and see how well he performs against better competition. Because Hernandez was a good fighter. Mind you, he had a strong chin. He was he was like just a strong, gritty fighter. But Michael Collin needed somebody 
else as he climbs up the ranks who's going to really push him, especially when he gets title fights. Let's see if he really can outwork uh, some of those fighters in his division. So as I conclude, I just want to say that to all you boxing fans, man, I appreciate you that tuned in and listened to this podcast. I will have many more weekly podcasts for sides of boxing, man, for every single fight that pretty much comes on or every single major fight that comes on in this in this year next year years to come man this is my favorite sport so i'm just thankful for each and every one of you that that, that listen to this i also have a patreon with this so just click the uh link in the description and yeah man support because i'm gonna have more interviews with with boxers and i'm gonna have a lot of big things planned with regards to this podcast. So uh, God bless y'all.